Word up. You want to be a local business of color podcast supporter, man? Support Chica Next vs. Aliens podcast, man. $75. You could be a Fantasma supporter. One mention, sticker packet, a t-shirt. $150 gets you an occult membership. A sticker packet, t-shirt, three mentions. $250, you'll become the fourth kind. Sticker packet, t-shirts, five mentions. And guess what? I'll even throw a six-pack in there so we can drink and talk about some drama. That's what's up. Become a local business of color supporter today for Chica Next vs. Aliens podcast. Hit me up. That's what's up. Peace. Yo, yo, yo. Guvole. And welcome back to Chica Next vs. Aliens podcast. Here in the Barrio de Podcast. Word up. I'm so glad that you guys have stuck around. And I want to thank you guys for the countless amounts of support. Today, this evening that I am recording this is July 15th. The night of the full moon. The moon is beautiful. And all that feminine energy and power that it's shining down into the here in San Antonio, Tejaslan. Goyo Chauki! I'm really feeling that energy. I'm so happy that it's what such a beautiful night. I just want to say thank you to everybody who has bought a t-shirt. Stickers and more t-shirts are coming soon. I want to send a big shout out to one of my biggest sponsors, Gabby Flores with Feliz Creatives. Hit her up. I'm not sure that she's doing uh, side work anymore because she's got a badass job, but she definitely has a lot of talent, and I think that if it's worth her time, she'll definitely put some time out for you. Feliz Creatives, at Feliz Creatives on Instagram, or look up Gabby Flores on Facebook. That's my homegirl. Word up. Graphic designer, chingona, chicana, Southside San Antonio. Where else? A lot of this evening... A lot of this podcast is going to be based out of San Antonio Southside. Um, I had the I had the pleasure of interviewing two amazing women, Chicanas from San Antonio. One of them you're probably not too familiar with, but the other one is somebody that's kind of well known. I'm I'm going to introduce them as the story comes along, but I want to tell you this podcast right here is mostly dedicated to alien, UFO, UFO abductions, and, and that kind of stories. Um, I, had th- I reached out to people and I said, yo, you know, anybody has, has anybody ever been, um, you know, abducted by UFOs or abducted by aliens or know somebody who has? And the response was overwhelming. Like so many people were hitting me up in the messenger and in the DMs. And they were all telling me, yeah, my deal was hit. Yes, my dad was hit or yeah, I was, I was abducted. I have a personal experience and all that kind of stuff. I was like, what is it about San Antonio that makes it so magical that people have had these experiences? And let me just tell you, a lot of people when I tell, when people say, hey, how's the podcast going and everything? And I say, oh, it's going great. And they say, oh, what are those people telling you? What are those crazy people telling you? And I'm just thinking like, wait, no, none of these people are a lot of the people that I know and I love. You know, some people are, maybe they might be brand new to me, but a lot of of people who come to me and tell me these stories are like 
homies, you know what I'm saying? So, like, let me just say, I'm a grateful for y'all speaking your truth. Whether it may sound crazy or not, whether you're energy workers, you know, body workers, dreamers, sleep paralysis experiencers, UFO abductees, paranormal experiencing, owl seeing, coyote seeing, spiders, tricksters, indigenous folks, people of color, black, brown, LGBTQ. You are speaking your truths and I'm grateful for that. And I'm and I want to say that what you are telling me there might be skeptics that say, yo, you're a little crazy. There might be other people that say like, oh yeah, there might be 100% foolproof. But you as a human being are speaking your truth. And, to, and for me, that is super valid. I just like the fact that people speak with conviction. They're being 100% genuine. Whether they're telling something that might happen or not. The idea of them coming to me, telling me their story with such energy, I'm grateful for. But let me tell you, I do believe you. I believe you and I believe what's happening. And the theme of this little podcast is UFO abductions and alien abductions. But let me just say, I feel like everybody has spoken something to me that is important. That there is this awakening happening, right? People are waking up to the fact that something's changing in the world. It's something's becoming more frequent, like people are seeing more UFOs or the cryptids are coming up a little bit more and things are becoming a little bit more uh, visible, right? Okay, so what if that means that the internet is exposing a whole bunch of stuff or people are coming together with some good videos? Either way, the idea of the fact that people's minds are a little more open to things that may not even exist is cool. I believe, I love it, and I'm not a skeptic, but I love the fact that people are coming to believe things that may that that it just opens their mind a little bit more speak your truth people speak your truth rasa speak your truth speak your truth people it's beautiful it's genuine and i love it and i'm so glad that the people that came i came to interview are on this podcast coming up ashley renee kellum a wonderful person from the south side experiencing some amazing things I can't wait for y'all to listen to this interview. It was beautiful, it was amazing, but just the knowledge that this person has and the experience that she had is so amazing. When I recorded her interview, you know, we kind of just kind of got into it. I met her for the first time at this interview. And let me just say, I'm sorry if my interview skills are like kind of whack, like peace to the UFO community who are like really good at taking UFO interviews and alien abduction interviews and that kind of thing. Like, okay, I don't even know how to come at this. I'm just trying to interview some Rasa that been experiencing some weird things. But when I approached her to this interview, she was so kind and she was so like nice and so trusting. And I'm grateful for that, Ashley. I really do appreciate you. But her interview was amazing. The knowledge that she carries is so amazing. And you can't help but when you listen to this knowledge, just know that she might have something very, very special that not a lot of people have. It was wonderful. So let me just tell you real quick. Right when I was in, after I interviewed her, you know, I let she left home because she got to go take care of her family. She left home and I stayed in the parking lot and I tried to record a post interview uh, a reaction. Kind of just like, wow, you know, this this all went down and you'll hear it. I'm going to post it right after this interview. But the interview didn't pop up. So now if, if you all know the South Side. Southside Palo Alto College area. It's 410 
Palo Alto College. So you hear the cars whisping by. The wind's always picked up around there because it's open field and it's 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 amazing. We interviewed at the botanical gardens over at the Palo Alto. They have the little they have a, the little botanical gardens that they created and it's beautiful. We were there sitting there and while you're sitting there, you can hear the cars passing and the wind blowing. So when I recorded my post-interview kind of a, a reaction, you can only pick up the cars and you can only pick up the um, the wind noise. My voice actually didn't come out. And let me just tell you, I'm recording directly into my phone. I don't have none of this fancy equipment yet. I mean, I'm working on it. You know what I'm saying? But so I thought that was pretty amazing. And so anyway, I kind of felt like the magic of the whole thing lingered for a little while. So you'll hear the post reaction, the post interview reaction after it goes down. But yes, let's go ahead and get into this interview. Listen carefully, y'all. The information that she's kicking is so amazing. And we have to get back. I have to get back to any of her because I never got down her actual abduction story. But I got down like the other amazing information that happened probably like in between, like around the situation. Yeah, <laughs> I really like this interview, y'all. Check it out. Ashley Renee Killam. Well, my name is Ashley Renee Killam. I'm from San Antonio, Texas, born and raised. I'm a mother of two beautiful daughters, and I'm a cosmetologist. And I, I guess I'm an abductee, but... Um, not really, more a volunteer here from Andromeda. Nice. Um, so, so uh, do you have a little background on maybe your family? A um, little bit. I know there's some indigenous history there, um, but I'm not sure. It's both from my dad's side and my mom's side. They're both mixed, um, half Mexican, half white, some European as well. So basically a mutt and... Okay, whoa, 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 pause, 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 real, real quick. I just wanted to say that the reason that I asked these initial questions was because to stay true to the Chica Next versus Aliens podcast requirements, um, I needed to find out whether Ashley Renee Kellum, with the last name like that, um, is a person of color. Let me just say, straight up, when I saw her, you could tell that she's a Chicanita from from the core. But you never know. The Hispanics, Latinx, Chicanex, um, the brown diaspora definitely has had the ability to check the white box for a little while. And so I wanted to make sure that some kind of um, recognition was there for understanding and knowing what the roots were. Of course, she mentions here that she was like half French and some half some kind of European. But the real the realness is, is that she's a Chicanita living in San Antonio's reality, San Antonio's South Side. And she uh, knows that her family comes from some kind of Mexican um, or some kind of brown historical roots. But I, the, the reason I want to say this is because I think it's important that if I'm saying I'm giving Latin X brown people, people of color, voices, the space, I want to stay true to that. So I ask you these questions, and I think from this point on, 
I'm going to continue to ask people to recognize their roots. I think it's really important that we kind of take the, the dive into recognizing who we are. Maybe we don't completely know, and it's a big mystery. And I know that that has a part of being an indigenous person. That has a part of being a person of color. But I think that we have to make those efforts, right? And so it might be a little uncomfortable for some folks. But with this little bit of uncomfort, we will begin to normalize the idea of recognizing where we come from. So... I just wanted to take a quick break to say that, um, but I'm grateful that she had had dug into some of those things um, because you know, with a name like Ashley Renee Kellum, you're going to say, hey, man, like, what are you trying to say? You know, is she Rasa or not? She's Rasa and she's definitely married into Rasa and she has beautiful brown kids. And so anyway, let's get back to it. My dad's dad definitely had some clairvoyant abilities because he knew when things were going to happen before they were happening. He knew my mom was pregnant with a girl, me, and my name was going to be Ashley. And he also um, knew I was pregnant. He he died when I was about two, but he came to my grandma in a dream and she told me that I was having a girl and her name was supposed to be Emily Renee and that's how she got her name. So he's always been kind of all-knowing like that nice and uh, your mother's side my mother's side um her dad was white and my her mom my grandma was mexican and there are some indian roots on my grandma's side for sure and her mom was kind of the the psychic one of the family so clairvoyant on both sides of the family yeah yeah definitely and so you talked about being a volunteer. Tell me a little bit about what happened. How did you become? How did you come into that knowledge? Um, recently, back in September, I went through an awakening. It started with an encounter with an owl. One night, I was sitting outside on my patio, and I was just stargazing. And as I'm coming in and shutting the door, something tells me to look up. So I look up, and on top of my neighbor's house, there's what appears to be um, the shape of the head of an owl you could see like the ears and the distinct outline and everything and as soon as we made eye contact it it ducks and I was kind of standing there for a minute waiting to see what was going to happen you know this is my first encounter with an owl so I wasn't really scared at this point um just kind of surprised because it hadn't happened in like 10 years so as I'm waiting there um to see if it's going to fly away or move it doesn't do anything so I'm texting my cousin about it because we've seen a few UFOs together she lives in San Jose and she's like well, what if it has to do with the fourth kind because you know owls and aliens and all that yeah and I was like I don't know I think you're just being like you know superstitious or whatever so as we're talking about it I'm scrolling on Facebook too and we're talking on the phone and this picture pops up on my timeline and there was just no way it could have been a coincidence it was like on the right hand side was the the head of an owl with like eyes all around it and then in the middle, there was this creepy-looking dude who later I, I found out after a little bit of research is the Hopi Indian medicine man. And then underneath him, towards the right, there's a tree with two aliens, and one of the aliens is holding a jar of a baby, a newborn child. And then a little bit further up on the tree to the right, there's a jar of an older child, and a little further up in the tree, there's a jar of a woman with light emanating around her. And I was like, okay, that's weird, because it just, it was significant, because me and my two daughters, I had just had my second daughter in July. And 
so that led me to Google owls and aliens. I was like, all right, I've, I'm going to do a little bit of digging on it and see what I come up with. And the first article that pops up, um, it was called Synchronicity is Owls in the UFO Rabbit Hole. And it was about, it was an article about this documentary filmed in California called Time is Art. And it's like all about, you know, symbolic um, imagery, synchronicities, um, the connection with owls and aliens and numbers, numerology, all of that, you know, spirituality and science together and religion. Right. It includes Jesus and, and the biblical stuff too. So <clears throat> as he's talking about it, he's describing how they ca captured a UFO on film and nobody saw it until after and they were editing it. But as they were going through this whole process, they were all experiencing synchronicities in between filming too, just like regular, you know? Right. And they went to this one one place um, called the Graffiti Wall Art Mural. I'm not sure where in California exactly, but he said this one mural in particular totally encaptivated him. And as he's describing it, he's describing the same exact picture that popped up on my timeline. And my mind was like blown immediately. I was like, there's no way. And I keep scrolling and then sure enough, the picture pops up and it's the same picture, but a different depiction. So there was this other one of three owls and he was describing how the three owls represent the three stages of human consciousness right now as a whole on, on Earth. That we're all mind-controlled, zombified, and complacent, tired, because we're controlled by money, religion, politics, you know, all this bullshit right. that we think matters, but in the long run, in the bigger picture, it really doesn't. So, in the, the mural, instead of the owl, it's the three indigenous beings representing the three stages of human consciousness. And in the middle, it's the Hopi Indian medicine man, but he's not creepy looking. He just looks like a normal human with like wings and there's a light emanating around him. And then underneath him, there's like a hybrid half alien, half human being. And then to the left, there's the tree with the owl in the tree guarding these three light beings and Jesus sitting underneath the tree. And I was like, oh shit, like that's my guardian <laughs> owl and it's, that's me and my daughters. Like right. I just got goosebumps, you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the new Jesus. Like, I'm sent to wake up humanity. And, and I thought, you know, the shift was going to happen, like, that weekend. And I was on, like, this crazy mission to, like, wake up everybody in my family and my friends. Like, people thought I was going crazy because, yeah, it was a funny time. So I kept researching, and it was, like, a bunch of information coming at me, like, one after another after another, and I had to be, like, slowed down. And it's one video I saw of this lady named Sherry Wild. She's the author, the author of The Forgotten Promise. And she's talking about how her friend convinced her to do this hypnotherapy because they were, you know, trying to hypnotize people that were around, um, like, all the alien activity back in the 40s and the 50s. Yes. And she said she had had a period of missing time for two hours when she was 17 going to her friend's house and... When she got to her friend's house, she just, like, mumbled, you know, little green men in a spaceship. But she didn't remember that part until, like, 30 years later when her friend, they were still friends at the time, told her, like, oh, yeah, you said that. And Sherry was like, I thought she was, she was going crazy, you know. So she did the hypnotherapy not even expecting anything to come out of it. She was actually apologizing to the doctors, like, I'm sorry, you're not going to find what you're looking for. But she ended up um, finding out that she was a volunteer as well and she was a part of the hybrid program so they were like taking her eggs and reproducing you know all these hybrid children and that's when I came to the realization that like oh my gosh I am one of those hybrid children and I I'm from Andromeda and I'm here to help raise 
the level of consciousness and the frequency of, you know, us, of humans. So that was like part through my awakening. So the encounter with Al happened on September 7th. And then I was having all these different experiences up until the 17th. And that was my first day back at work at the salon. And the first, the, this one client I had, I had never seen her before, but she started communicating with me telepathically. And no one had ever done that with me. So I was like, how is she doing this? Like, we were having a verbal conversation, but a whole other conversation in our, in our minds. So I was, like, freaking out about it. And she was just like, it's okay. Like, calm down. You know, I know you. I am you, basically. I am future you. So she's telling me, like, all this stuff about my life that she couldn't have possibly known and telling me that my awakening was going to happen that night and I needed to be prepared for it. And, I mean, the thing she was telling me was just making me so emotional. I was crying through most of the haircut and everyone was looking at me like, oh, is she okay? And I was fine. It was happy tears because that's when I was coming to the realization that, you know, we're all love, unconditional love. And I... What normally would have taken me like 45 minutes to do her haircut took me two and a half hours because every time I was trying to say I was done, she would look at it in the mirror and be like, no, I don't think it's perfect because she wasn't done with the conversation. So finally, like two hours later or something, she was like, okay, now it's perfect. And it was so transforming that I didn't even charge her. I was like, I can't, I can't charge you. You know, the information and the enlightenment you just gave me, I feel like it was, you gave me a gift know so I didn't charge her and she understood the significant of three the number three to me so she ended up leaving me three twenties and then she wrote this note saying you are loved by God and us like we are God and then the back of it she drew like the symbol for the wave like ride the wave so then that night uh, my friend or someone I thought was my friend that I worked with came home with me and did my hair because I hadn't had my hair done since I went on maternity leave, so it was, you know, overdue. So, um, as we're doing it, she's kind of telling me these things because she's a good one too, and more on the black side. So, I initially kind of thought she was supposed to be a mentor for the dark side, but ended up she was just psychically attacking me. So, anyways, and my friend Jen, she comes over that night too with my mom because. When I came home from work, I was, like, crying. I gave my mom a hug, and she's like, what's wrong? I was like, nothing. I just, I understand what it all means now. So she didn't know what was happening. So me and Jen and my mom were sitting outside, and we're having a conversation. And Jen starts having a conversation with me verbally, but really telepathically. And I'm, I, all of a sudden, I just, like, had this, like, I, my soul left my body, basically, is what she said, because she, she saw me do that, and she was like, your soul just left your body, you need to call it back, and I couldn't, I was lost, I was traveling through all these different dimensions, and literally felt like I was riding a wave, and as I'm traveling through these different dimensions, I'm seeing how all the different pathways lead to, like, this traumatic experience, I saw how my daughters die, I saw how my sister dies, how my mom dies, how my grandma dies, all the women in my immediate family and how I have died in all my past lives and how I was meant to die multiple times in this lifetime. And I just started bawling because, you know, I'm seeing all these deaths that felt like it happened because it had in some alternate reality. 
and Jen's like, do you need your mom to go inside? And I couldn't even speak. I just nodded my head and I was like, yeah. And my mom went inside and I looked at Jen and I was like, so that's how it happens. Because the last one I saw was me and my two daughters dying in our house of monoxide poisoning. And I had bought a monoxide detector and I hadn't put it up. So I really like that, you know, ring a bell. And she, I was like, so that's how it happens. And she said, yes. And I was like, but I changed it. And she said, yes. And I said, how? And she said, the night you saved your baby, you broke the cycle, basically. And that's why you were chosen to be awakened. Because um, after I had my daughter, my second daughter, the night we were released from the hospital, I randomly got this feeling to go check on her. And she was, like, turning blue. And she was not responsive. And she was, like, limp when I picked her up and everything. So I had to do CPR on her and bring her back to life. So she was meant to die that night. And after I, I kind of, she, I think me saving her was the reason for all of this because when I started researching like the spirit animal meaning of the owl, it represents the night eagle in American Indian tradition. And, you know, night pertaining with the moon, eagle pertaining with the sun and my daughter was born on the solar eclipse and she came home on the lunar eclipse and her birthstone is moonstone wow yeah so that's pretty it was like it all yeah connected and then it's just been a wild ride ever since that's, so yeah that's intense and that's a lot to take in yeah um, I feel like... And I, I couldn't bring my soul back to my body. I was lost. I was pacing. I was like, we're going to die. We're not going to die. Like, my mom didn't know what to do. And around, like, 2 in the morning or something, she took me to the hospital because she, she thought I was going crazy. She thought I was, like, you know, having postpartum psychosis. And she took me there, and she told them what I was saying and how I said I was the new Jesus and I'm an alien and all this stuff. So automatically they look at me like, oh, she's crazy, psych ward, automatic detention, emergency detention. So I got sent to Laurel Ridge, and... What part of town is that? Like 281. Okay. North, that way. Um, I don't know, it's far. And it was... I mean, as soon as I walked in, it was an awful experience, um, really horrific, but all the people there, it was like, they knew me, you know, like, they were all communicating with me telepathically, as soon as I walked in, there was like this big mural with hope, and like a rainbow, and just green pastures, and I, they didn't even end up putting me on like any medication or anything, because they're like, there's nothing wrong with you, even though one of the doctors tried to, tried to diagnose me as bipolar, I was like, try it I was like I studied psychology and there's no way you can diagnose me bipolar so that didn't even end up making it on my record and they ended up releasing me five days later so so after after seeing and understanding and the death in so many different ways did it change your mind about how that is and how that works oh yeah I'm not afraid of death anymore at all I know where we're going I've been there I've been to heaven and hell, so. I've had a similar experience in, in, in dreams, but nothing in awake. Yeah, it was, I mean, it still gives me goosebumps talking about it. It was a powerful, 
you know, because seeing it in a dream, it feels real, but then when you're actually there experiencing it in an alternate reality, it is real. So have you ever had a soul retrieval? What is that? We, we, I can cut this one, but so, so a soul retrieval is a ceremony that's being, that's done by indigenous folks that they call backers your soul. I was able to bring myself back hours later, but yeah. Have you ever been, aside from Jen, have you ever visited other curanderos? Mm-mm. What's your most recent owl experience? That one with the awakening, right before the awakening on September 7th. <laughs> and then this guy had contacted me on Facebook. He's like, hello, fellow light worker. You know, are you familiar with St. Germain and the Violet Flame? And that had popped up, like, a few days before he had said that. And it said, St. Germain and the goddess Portia are going to awaken the people of God on the seventh day in the seventh year. And it happened to me on September 7th. So I was like, what? Tell me a little bit more about that. I don't, I don't know anything about that. St. Germain, um, he's one of, the, like, the archangels. I don't know too much about him, but he's definitely an important spiritual leader and figure. So do you feel connected with the saints, or does it feel like it's kind of like a general, like... Light it's a general, beings, like yeah, like- yeah, because it's like every little piece of religion has it right. It's just a matter of putting them all together like a puzzle. But um, I think where religion stems from is the ancient civilizations, the Mayans, the Egyptians, you know, all those ancient civilizations, because they all knew the connections. If you research Egyptians and you know the way the way they live they understood that the seven chakras are connected with the glandular system in the body they understood how all that works they understood the different foods you needed for different chakras the different crystals they understood all of that you know same thing with lemuria and atlantis and all those ancient civilizations that people don't even think existed and we haven't even discovered half of them on earth because they're either buried or sunken you know what we know and what we have discovered is just a fraction and the way they're all connected what other you know what other conclusion can you deduce from that it's like they all have the same depictions of these beings coming down from space and spaceships i think what really happened is people misinterpreted aliens as gods and that's why all the different pyramids all the around the world that we know of the they line up with the belt and the constellation of orion because the human race originates from pleiades which is in that direction and i've heard that um uh, the aliens and a lot of some aliens races have been they're very into wanting to be revered as gods and so whenever yeah. we see them we give them all this attention so that what they do is they appear to us in order for us to kind of worship them in a sense and so like we, whenever we talk about UFO um, I think the opposite I think they came here trying to remind us of our connection our misinterpretation of that and you know us creating that we created that separation Mm. not them i'm sure there are some few species out there for sure you know but i think for the majority of the part they just want us to remember who we are and so let me ask you this because i'm curious about this too like so whenever i'm around friends and you know me with my experience with paranormal me and my experience with ufos whenever i bring it up some of my friends are just like all right all right and i think that like so i have to find myself really balancing myself yeah like talking like basic you have to use discernment for sure you know it's like you have to put on that that mask um which i used to do now i really don't i'm like i could care less if you think i'm crazy because it doesn't matter whether you believe me or not it's happening and it's real and 
We are in the middle of the shift and the biggest revolution in the history of the human race, possibly the history of our universe, for sure, because this has never happened before on such a large scale level. I mean, people are waking up, not even individually, but they're waking up in groups now. Like, it all happens at once like that for, like, a group of 10 or more, you know, who knows how many, but, yeah. And it's getting more mainstream. I mean, everyone is talking about it. Everyone's getting more into spirituality and more connected with Earth and all the elements. I, I, so I'm related and I have very close friends that have recently had awakenings and Mm -hmm. a lot of them have seen, um, so one of a, a really close friend of mine saw Mother Earth in an awakening. She saw a uh, Earth Mother, and she felt connected to the Earth Mother ever since then. And ever since then, she's been kind of like an Earth Mother worker, I think she could say. Like, so she kind of feels oh, yeah. like so now. And I remember one time we were talking. Light workers exist for all the elements, for right. sure. And so she was talking to me about like uh, we were talking about. I was telling her, you know, because I work in social justice work, movement stuff, and uh, she said. Um, because people aren't numbers walking she was like people are are beings and these beings are powerful beings and she had yeah. and this all came from this from this uh awakening that she had yeah uh, she had had an awakening along with another friend of hers and that guy he's been like really just living his life like really not even worried about anything but really going to go see beautiful spaces and he's always constantly yeah. showing pictures and so you know like it's i'm 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 very it's once I mean once you start living in that mind space it's not hard to manifest it took me six months to manifest my first interview and it was with the travel channel like you know and that's because I knew that's what I had to do to get the word out there I'm like I have to talk about this on a bigger more public scale because I was always afraid of like public speaking and and things like that but now I'm like no they're me they need to hear this they need to to wake up and get out of this zombified way of living this zombified society so, so what was that with the travel channel you did? Um, it's about it's for this upcoming show called Strange World, and it's mm. all about like paranormal stuff. So I think they focus more on that that aspect of it. Not really. They haven't connected the alien and paranormal yet, um, but they will, I'm sure, eventually. I, I had I had an argument on Facebook recently about someone saying that well you you can't you you mentioned paranormal and you I know you mentioned paranormal and you mentioned uh, UFO. They were like, you have to separate the two. They're not the same thing. No, they are the same. <laughs> but I kind of feel like, yeah, there's there has to be some kind of similar, like, there's been this conversation about uh, the idea Everything's of... Everything's connected. Science, spirituality, all of that. I mean, my awakening was just basically my confirmation for everything I already believed in. I've, I've always said, you know, we as humans don't give ourselves enough credit. Like, we are our own God. And I've always said we create our own universe. And when I took physics of stars and galaxies... Um, we studied all the ancient civilizations and we had star parties and studied the constellations and what they mean and the history behind them and it's like how could you not believe that there's a bigger picture how could you not believe that there's other life out there like you're not that big you know like yeah. calm down humans yeah, <laughs> like, yeah no I know and it's funny because as of recently I've so I work for the city right and so as of recently I heard that there was a city funded project where they teach how the missions were all connected to the stars yes and that was something that i thought was like okay that's very beautiful but like what's the magic of the purpose of that you know i think this town san antonio in particular has is a huge vortex you know for paranormal and ufo activity alike because we have all the we have so much history and so connected with native people that is just in our blood you know it's in all of our history because we're all connected so 
I feel the same way. I feel the exact same way. And I was, that was a conversation that we had before. And we had this right next to this really, really old mesquite tree. And a lot of the conversation was just like, what if this mesquite tree could talk? Because, I mean, we were at this mesquite tree and it was like old. It even looked old. And I couldn't help but feel like I was connected to it in a way that was like oh yeah and it was at a, it was at the missions and the missions have all that energy and so yeah definitely this, it's just that little i've seen an apparition at the alamo too so yeah what was that it was a um a figure like it looked like he was a soldier you know really old uniform and it kind of it just faded away so i knew it wasn't a person because i kind of looked at it for a little bit but and me and my mom went to go like search it too because we went on like one of those ghost tours downtown you yeah, know it's, 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 so yeah, I've been it runs in our it. family. I mean, it started. I had a near-death experience in the womb, and I think that's why I was born awake for the most part. Um, I guess half awake, half asleep, because I had I've been reading tarot cards from like age eight. I got one of those like little, you know, on the kiosk at Barnes and Noble, they have like different little things, and they had this this tiny little tarot card pack. And I don't know why my mom let me get it at eight years old. I don't even think she knew what it was. So I started reading cards at 8, and then I got into, like, Wicca and stuff when I was 10, 11. And then kind of throughout high school, you know, I was so busy with school and stuff, I, I got out of that. But I had still been practicing astral projection, projection and lucid dreaming. Um, tell me a little bit, hold up. Tell me a little bit about that, because I, I have heard more about that. I myself feel like that's something that I am able to do sometimes in my dreams, but, like, I don't. I've never met anybody else that can. That well, that's what dreaming is. Astral projecting. So, what has been your experience? Because that's how, like, you know, how they say DMT, they call it the spirit molecule because it induces an out of body experience or astral projection. Right. So, when you dream, that's what's causing the dream. Your brain is naturally producing DMT, which makes that. you dream. Yes. But it's not. You're not dreaming. You're actually astral projecting. You just don't know it. Yeah. I'm something about my dreams is definitely huge. I have I have always had crazy dreams since little little to now. I mean, even last night I woke up from a, three different dreams that were super vivid, and I woke up at three, I woke up at four, and then I woke up at five, and I couldn't sleep. But do I, you listen to like any meditation or binaural beats when you sleep? I don't. What well, I That's- can be a game changer <laughs> do that yeah every yeah ever since then i i meditate every night to sleep and so far i've just been um going home a lot <laughs> cool yeah and what does home look like i imagine like a world that looks similar to pandora like on avatar except i live in a cave so all the, like the glittering crystals and the glowing pools and stuff like that. But that's what I've seen when I go there. I always dream about caves and like being in the different pools in the caves. It's funny. Nice. Do you have anything else to add? Something that you want to make a message that you want to tell people? Um, yeah, definitely don't be afraid to open up and talk about your experiences because there's a whole community of people who are willing to listen and who will understand what you're going through and not just call you crazy. So. I've always felt that like the folks... Go where the light is. Yes. I've always felt like the people that I meet that say like, well, you know, I have like, well, I've been diagnosed with bipolar 
or like I've been diagnosed with some kind of mental like ADHD as an adult or I'm manic. I always kind of tell people like I think that you're probably more connected to things than you realize and that's why you're not yeah. able to because earth doesn't allow you I mean or at least society doesn't allow you to be yeah. connected in a way that you feel at ease but that you feel troubled more and so that because of that they take medicine to try to be connected yeah and so yeah that's something that I've always talked to people about I agree when I was in the psych ward um, it was like they were my people you know they were on my team and the doctors just didn't understand what was going on because you're not taught that especially in like the western medical world you know even my psychiatry appointment following that because you're required to go see a psychiatrist after to make sure you don't need any medication or anything like that so going to that appointment a week after I was released I was so reluctant to tell them because they literally held me against my will and like I was still breastfeeding at the time so I had a pump and they were making me pump like out in the front with everybody around and all the male patients coming up and asking me questions while I'm pumping like it was it was horrific so that's um, horrible. Yeah, it was really and bad. Like I could have all. had a lawsuit for sure. Like I wrote, I wrote this four-page letter, and I immediately when I was released, I went straight to the, to the director because I was supposed to be released within three days. They kept me an extra two days because I was fighting them, and I was like, "You cannot keep me here against my will." Like I read my rights, I signed the paper to release myself, and they wouldn't let me go. So, um, after that, they were like, "Is there anything we can do?" Like they were so appalled. I went to the state medical board and everything. I was really going to file a lawsuit, but anyways, I didn't end up doing it. It was like, karma, they'll, they'll get it, don't worry. Word. So, this first psychiatry appointment, I was really reluctant to tell them the truth, and my mom was like, no, that's the point. You know, they're there to help you, you need to be honest with them. So, I told them, and I was completely honest with them about, you know, all my experiences with owls from growing up to now, and how this induced that, and how I found out I'm from Andromeda, and... The psychiatrist had, like, a student in there, and they both jaws were just, like... Like, they didn't know what to think of my story, because I don't sound like I'm a crazy person, you know? And I was fully lucid with all of this, and most psychosis, you don't remember the episode. So, the, the doctor was like, hold on, let me go get my supervisor. He didn't even know what to say. So, he went <laughs> and he gets the supervisor, and the supervising psychiatrist comes in... And he's, like, this old white man with, with white hair and glasses. And he looked super conservative. And I was like, oh, shit, they're going to send me back to the loony bin. I was like, I knew I shouldn't have said anything. And he sits down. And he's like, I totally understand what you're talking about. I read about it. I know. I read a lot about Deepak Chopra. And I, I know what you're going through. But honestly, there's no one in this office, probably even on this side of the world, that's going to be able to help you other than a spiritual community. So there's nothing more we can do for you and that was it he sent me on my way with no follow-up appointment or anything man it's kind of like he got like so that was confirmation like I'm i not mean crazy. you know, yeah. you know like, it's like what the else? doctor agreed with me and yeah wow that's amazing that's yeah. a pretty amazing story yeah i often feel myself like needing to take a break and sometimes i feel like i wonder if they would just wrap me up and take me in and i would rest and come out and get you back would, to it you but, know as horrific as it was because I didn't I mean because you were um, really you were good sleep in there. Yeah. I really didn't get sleep in there I hadn't been sleeping anyway because I went through that horrific episode with my baby so I was like constantly up all the time you know definitely had some like postpartum anxiety going on and I couldn't sleep because I just wanted to make sure it was, she was breathing so 
being in that place, it was like there was violent people, loud people. You know, you just you don't sleep because their con- their mind is always going, so they're always going. And yeah. but all the group therapy and everything it definitely helped because it opens your mind up. They do like group meditation. That's how when I started meditating every night. So it was really helpful. So something that you practice pretty regularly is meditation. Every day. Every day. Yeah, that's probably the number one thing that's gonna get you closer to your awakening and allow you to astral project more easily and have those out-of-body experiences even when you're awake. I've heard, I've read that, I've read about the, I mean, I've read and listened to other podcasts that have talked about astral projection and the guy that who does it pretty regularly, he says that, that he's, it, it's all done through meditation right before he falls asleep. Yeah, I astral project every day. <laughs> This has been a great conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm super intrigued to hear more about your day today, but I know that's something that's impossible. <laughs> but I yeah. really appreciate I really appreciate you coming and talking to me about this. This is um, this is amazing, and I'm I'm glad I actually made this happen. Yeah, that we both made this happen. Same, finally. Yeah. It's been a long time finally, coming. I know. We've right? been trying to talk about it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be part of the show. Thank you for having me as a guest, and I look forward to listening to your upcoming podcast. Word. Yo, wow. I just had that amazing experience with Ashley. Wow. The energy, the way it all went down, so beautiful. And not to mention, we were at the Palo Alto Botanical Gardens. The, the crickets are chirping, the birds are playing, and it was a brown twilight. I couldn't help but match a lot of that energy from some of the stories that she had talked to me about. Man, she blew my mind. I I haven't felt so connected to someone in a way, the way I felt that connected. Maybe that was her work. A person who had had an awakening like hers and with the friends of ours that we know that helped her through that awakening... But just not to mention that uh, we had similar owl experiences, um, similar historical experiences in our families, um, just where she comes from and who she is. Just amazing. And once again, in the magical south side of San Antonio, I mean to go more into the west side, y'all, but the south side has been calling. My mind is still blown. I kind of even felt like while we were talking, I couldn't help but focus on the illumination of the trees and the grass around us. It was like my eyes were blurring with the way it was glowing. But, you know, it's just so beautiful when it's changing from light to dark. It was a perfect moment for us to have this conversation. She's a wealth of knowledge, but not only that, she is a wealth of spiritual energy or whatever that is, right? Soul energy, spiritual energy. Um, also not to mention uh, that um, she has family that both have connected to spirits and connected to the earth. 
very similar to my experience, very similar to my situation. And I hadn't, I hadn't connected with somebody like that in a long time. That was beautiful. Still here on the grounds at Palo Alto, right? Afterwards, I had to, I had to really, really make sure that I got my feelings afterwards. And it's funny because as we were saying our goodbyes, I could see see little shadows pop here and there, and and um, you know, I mean, the wind's picking up a little bit, and it was kind of windy, and things were moving around, but I couldn't help but notice that there was like a couple of shadows that I noticed, and uh, oh man, what a beautiful energy. She had to go. Her babies were calling, of course. Partner was calling, of course. But um, the conversation couldn't even end. And I didn't even... We got, I, I talked to her after I t- turned off the recording. Uh, we talked about her abduction. And so we have to get back together. I'm going to make sure that I get back together with her to talk about the abduction. Um... But the story she told me was oh, <laughs> so good. Oh man, y'all! Uh, San Antonio, you are a vortex, just like we spoke about in this podcast. You are a vortex of energy, and it's so beautiful. The natural, beautiful grounds of this land. Ah, oh, man, wonderful, wonderful. I enjoyed that, y'all. Yes. All right. I know this podcast has been long enough, but I'm going to add another little piece to this. Um, I got to interview the wonderful Maricela Barrera. Mari Barrera, if y'all know her. Um, Mari Barrera has an amazing story to tell about a family incident that happened, um, that took a long time to kind of discover within their own family. So she tells that story from beginning to end, but it's so amazing to to see how the family connected on it. Her and her brother connected on this story. Now, I was introduced, I've known Mari Barrera forever. I've known Mari Barrera forever. Um, She has been a homie because I have been in the art scene. She is an artist. A theater artist, a Chicana, Chingona, originally from the Valley, residing in San Antonio, now currently working at Jumpstart. She has been constantly working in the, um, what is San Antonio's art scene. I mean, she's pretty, she's pretty amazing. Uh, she's also a good friend, um, I know her through my really close friends like Davita Moracasas and I mean just tons of people but David is one of the ones that definitely connects me with a lot of these artists and I'm grateful for that um, she has been supportive of Los Navalatos uh, before Los Navalatos even started we had a group called Semilla Semilla used to perform we performed maybe a couple times in her backyard uh, as just a trio with the guitar cajon and bass I think it was Anyway, so I've known her for a good minute, but I didn't know that she was from the Valley. You know, like I know folks from the Valley. I, I know the Valley. The Valley is also a very magical place. Um, I think Edinburgh was where they had the most recent UFO festival that was originally happening in Del Rio. But they moved it to Edinburgh or they moved it into the Valley because um, they were trying to make it more accessible to folks, which is cool. But bummer. We missed it. I didn't get to go. But um, 
yeah um i want to shout out to maricela barrera if you have a chance to meet with her you have a chance to look at her plays and her works um please do so she is an amazing performer and i just want to uplift and acknowledge women's of color voices and art because first of all there's nothing like her in um in the u.s she is definitely a product of the valley in san antonio and you can see it in her work she has this really cool uh kind of like a um like a little play piece called um the donkey lady she speaks a little bit about like the abduct the alien abduction and that kind of thing but I needed so somebody told me they were just like, oh, you haven't talked to Maricela Barrera. I said no. They were just like, dude, hit Mari up. Like she has a story to tell. So I hit her up, and she said, yeah, I'm super down. So we got to meet up at Jumpstart. So this is recorded up in Jumpstart, and um, I got jump. I got introduced to Jumpstart by you know past friends and whatever. Jumpstart uh, is an amazing place. The theater that happens in that place is definitely worthy of your time. San Antonio is a theater town. I work in and out of theater groups all the time. CC, Teatro Animo, Guadalupe, Jumpstart, I mean, Woodlawn Theater, San Antonio Playhouse. I mean, there's tons and tons and tons. But you know, it doesn't get recognized because San Antonio is kind of a weird little black hole of arts. And I'm just going to say that right now on this podcast, man. San Antonio is a weird little black hole of arts. But if you want to see some genuine art in this town, man, it's all over the place. Music, artists, uh, visual artists, theater, uh, man, dance, ballet folklorico, mariachi. Man, it's all happening here. All that to say that Maricela Barrera is dynamic and it was wonderful to be able to sit with her and that she gave me a little bit of a moment of time to be able to talk about this story. Once again, the story continues. We have a lot more to talk about and I actually would love to be able to get her brother onto the conversation if he allows it, right? I want people to be comfortable with telling their story and I want them to speak their truths. But, um, man, it was pretty cool to be able to sit into the uh, jumpstart and really kind of get down on this conversation. Anyway, y'all, check this out, man. Mari Barrera. I'm Maricela Barrera. I'm 40 something, living in San Antonio, Texas, uh, originally from Alamo, Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Oh, nice. Nice from Valley. And what do you do? Uh, Right now, I'm a professor of writing. So I teach writing, and I write, and I'm a teatrista. Uh, That pretty much says I write plays for for performance, and act, and direct, and clean toilets at the theater, (laughs) and sweep, or, you know, all the above, you know, what to make it happen. Yeah. Cool. My story involves family members. Um, When you come from a line of, like my grandmother was a a curandera, and you grow up in a sort of uh, culture of mystery, where, you know, I was raised to accept the mystery, actually to look for it um, and not be afraid of it. Uh, For me, I've I've always been sort of still tense around you know the ideas of mystery in our lives uh, but I believe in it and I'm not the only one in my family uh, when I was little uh, this, they tell me because it was before my memory starts and so it's been crafted by storytelling um, 
I was uh, ill, deathly ill. I was sent to here San Antonio to a children's hospital and a medical center where I stayed for six weeks. I'm the youngest of five, so it separated our family. And uh, pretty much the doctors in the valley said, there's nothing we could do for her. And then I was here, the doctors here tried to save me. I was getting weaker and weaker and essentially I couldn't digest any food. And so here after six weeks, um, they sent me home to die. And my grandmother never lost faith, Guadalupe de Leon. Uh, presente. I think she has a very strong name, uh, Guadalupe de Leon, very Mexicana name, and she was really into her roots. And um, so she never lost hope. Of course, my parents, my family didn't, but she um, made a promesa and she said if I survived, that I would, that she would sew little uh, St. Anthony vestidos for all the babies that didn't have families in the hospital and, uh, and then she she prayed and then she said she would dress me like Saint Anthony for a year wow. and so uh, she also gave me goat's milk from her rancho and that's what really finally because there was no other you know my parents were saying oh no no, no you know don't that's not what the doctors don't give her that. But finally, when they send me home, it was like, get, do whatever, you know, like they, you know, they were at that end. And so she fed me goat's milk and that's what sort of nursed me back to health. And then she did dress me up. Um, that was, sorry, it wasn't St. Anthony, it was St. Martin de, de, los, de los Porres. Oh, St. Martin Porres, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, and so that's how I was nursed to health. And so I grew up with this story, you know, I grew up sort of, uh, thinking you're gonna be an observer you're gonna you have to like watch you have to be a listener you you're meant to experience something that you're gonna you know hopefully share with other people and so I grew up with that as my sort of guiding post so I'm always looking out you know observing um, so that's my grandmother and my mother my um, she grew up also a believer in, in the mystery of life and uh, grew up in Almo, Texas, and she would point to the leaves and say, Mira, there's your tío coming to say hello. So I grew up with this sort of symbol, you know, like nature and, you know, being symbolic of people that have died, you know, that yeah. we should not be scared of it. We should look for it. Right. And so I grew up in this onda, and so my first encounter then happened when I was uh, about five years old. And I'm the youngest at that point. Um, my, I was graduating from kindergarten, and my oldest brother was graduating from high school. So that's oh, wow. the difference there in age groups, right? Huge, yeah. So my oldest brother, um, we had never talked about this, and this is a memory I shared, uh, or I did not share with him, but um, when I was about five years old living on Crockett Street in Alma, Texas, um, I would always sort of sleep in a similar way because, you know, kids, uh, I grew up with this mystery and I grew up sleeping with my sister because I was scared too. And it was a little casita anyway, but, and I would have to fall asleep the exact same way that she did. I would study where her body was, which is really weird to do as a kid, you know, like study how her body shaped and I would put my body in that same way. And I would think if I fell asleep like that, that would be safe. Right. Well, maybe one night I did not feel, fall asleep like that. And I woke up and there was someone watching me, 
essentially. And I, and I have to say it was a little casita, little um, two bedroom, little sort of really smushed house. You know, when I went gone back to see it, I'm like, wow, that's really small. Like, and there was seven of us in there plus, you know, a couple dogs outside. Um, (laughs) so there was seven. Yeah. There was Mm -hmm. like, there was a lot of people living in that casita. And so I always wondered like, wow, you know, what, how did this thing come in without like being hurt or anything? Right. And I remember like sitting up and everyone else was asleep that was not even i couldn't even hear any rustling we used to keep our windows open you know doors unlocked you know just like that type of like hometown that i remember and i remember being thinking that i you know someone was watching me and you know woke woke up and and stood you know sort of sat up in my bed and that was a that was a being you know, watching me, I don't know for how long, and it was, the the way I describe it is like, we had a stare down contest, and there was no communication, I didn't run to wake anyone up, even my sister who was asleep right next to me, um, and then, so it was this massive stare down contest, you yeah. know, for what seemed like forever, you know, I don't know how long it was, um, and I wasn't scared, um, was it dim it was dim uh the being was you know not my siblings you know didn't have any clothing on uh that's what i remember but i didn't think that was freaky you know or anything like that right it was more like oh like as if like an animal wouldn't have clothes on then you know it wasn't like i was like shocked by it or anything like that was it like um was it more of a shape that you saw or was it like could you see like like 3D-ish kind of like you know you kind of see like the shape of its body I saw the shape of its body yeah it was thin and it was not tall um and I lived with that memory you know for a long 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 time years decades maybe and finally after I was an adult maybe after my father passed away um my brother and I started talking my oldest brother and he confessed that um, he was abducted. And my brother, who's very great family guy, very devout Catholic, you know, uh, loves Tejano music, uh, you know, everything You're like normal guy, normal you Chicano, know, normal Chicano yeah. guy. And it's like, and believes in aliens, you know? And so yeah. it's not a story that maybe he pulls out like with, you know, at the dinner table of, you know, with like, sort of strangers but it's a story that the more we talk about uh the little more information he decides to like sort of share um so i know i wasn't abducted uh i believe i saw the being that he believes abducted him um so so it's so now we have you know like an ongoing conversation and the stories developing and i think over you know still still developing i still I don't think he's shared everything yet. So that's his story to tell, you know, in terms of what he experienced, but he attributes some of his health problems to being abducted. Um, And for me, it's a conversation that in my family, my mom shares too, where she'll like tell of evenings after my father, you know, sort of, so not too long ago that where she's seen, you know, UFOs and like that she thought maybe were watching 
her, you know, like yeah. in the valley or whatever. She's still in the valley. Yes, she's still in the valley. And so she's she's had that experience too. So she shares in um in some in 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 believing. And so I don't know if if she hasn't shared to me if she's if she actually saw the you know, being in, in our place. Um but my brother and I sort of share that same memory. So me less so in terms of abductions, but um yeah, that's I began to prompt Mari a little bit because I understood that it was difficult for her to tell her brother's story, also to tell her own story. Um, so we begin to get into the conversation about what actually happened. But in the end, um, we had an amazing conversation just about people of color, theory, phenomenon, and you know what it is to be a person of color with these beliefs. Um, you know, One thing that she pointed out was that it's hard to be a person of color with a distinguished understanding of existence and the people to relate to you on a level. So um, this is the conversation we had right after uh, I prompted some questions. And you can hear the questions I'm saying. But it was pretty amazing. I uh, really enjoyed this conversation. I left very, very happy. So you and your, you say you and your brother now have a shared experience of you seeing a being and your brother saying that he might have experienced what, what, what could have been an abduction. Plural. Abductions. Yeah. So what are some of the things that he told you that he had experienced? Well, he doesn't remember too much, but he remembers, I believe, from what, you know, our conversations, experimentation. Uh, that might have gone into and played a part of, you know, maybe some of his health concerns, you know, to this day um, that are sort of different maybe than what other members in the family have gone through. Um, I realize that I realize that it's not always easy to associate health problems with a, with a phenomenon. That's true. You know, uh, and so, you know, if, you know, some people uh, have experienced, you know, full on you know, cancers and uh, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, then other people have experienced, like, uh, memory loss and that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. What were some of the things that you, you think that he was saying were associated with his abduction? Uh, his really bad eyesight. His, uh, recently he had, and I'm not sure what the diagnosis was, but he was, um, I think it was uh, like something in his you know, brain that something happened. I forgot what the illness was, but obviously he got better. And it was associated also with his eye thing. Uh, like for me, uh, the thing I remember as a kid is like not knowing how much time passed, you know, and that's something he also remembers like about not any, you know, time sort of just evaporates. Um, so that's another phenomenon there. Um, I always sort of, me as sort of the caller, the observer, uh, I sort of ask them, you know, like to, for clarity, yeah. you know, and maybe another 
Uh, I'm curious. I mean, obviously, if it would be life or death, I would say no. We'll see you. We'll see you later. But, right. uh, but I don't. I'm not scared of it. So I sort of welcome another sort of visit to to get a little more information about it for me. But yeah, I think as as people who might have what they call like the clarity or like you know people who might have you know visions or that kind of stuff. You know, a lot of folks, even old old telepath folks from around here, like they don't they don't know when it's all going to come on. So it's always this big mystery about when it's actually going to happen. Um, like in my experiences, it's always happened so randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, my experiences with owls, though, um, like it always happens when something's about to change. Do you hear them or do you see them? Both. When I hear them, it doesn't make me as nervous. But when they yeah. when they appear to me, that I mean, I make it gets me nervous. Not in the I try to be not negative about it because yeah. then you see how they say like you know manifest things to the universe and you, you have to speak in positive in uh-huh. the consciousness. And uh, so when I see them, I'm just like, please be something good. Yeah. But you know, it's been both. And uh, but yeah, I see them and, and hear them first. Um, but at the same time, I've always at the same time I'm kind of one of those persons too that's just like okay you, you know if it's gonna happen again like right. i totally want to be down right. i think there's only in recorded history that i've learned and recently learned about is that there's only been one death by abduction hmm. and only one person has experienced that and it was okay. like it was a total body like total body like they cut all kinds of parts of his body off yeah. and experienced and he had no blood traces and that kind of stuff it's kind of similar to a cow mutilation yeah but um, yeah, I haven't heard much about just people having pains, yeah. illnesses. Um, well, you know that happened, you know, in our family. But for me personally, it's sort of always been an investigation in like the that sort of like the unknown mystery phenomenon. Case in point, chemistry class my junior year. What do I study? I don't study like oh like little um, petri dish shit. You know, yeah. I don't know if I could say yeah, shit, you can, but. Yeah. Um, is like oh what are what's the like multiple realities you know I started like that was my like high school science experiment you know I even forgot how I did that but I was like at that point reading all the books um, because I didn't have another outlet you know and at least one teacher would say oh you know it's like I had this idea to to do something outside the norm that's not really that's abstract you know for most people and I just took to reading all sorts of books that I could find and alternate realities and near-death experiences and all these sort of phenomenons of um, like getting out of this consciousness that we you know that we that we, we inhabit you know um, and not that you know I you know I never I don't abuse drugs like that it's like I guess some people find alternate realities you know in different ways but when you find it you know and you're so completely conscious and you know sober about it and you see a sort of glimpse of a different world a bigger world than we could ever you know like fully understand at this point you know it's like the cosmos world and and we have some sort of connection with that that I think uh, liberates liberates our mind in such a way. I wonder if there's any Republican like, <laughs> alien believers. I guess so. But for me, it liberates and opens my mind to possibilities. Well, see, I think, you know, this is, uh, this is, you're making a good point. Um, you know, one thing that I feel very lucky about being one Chicanindio mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, of, of some relation to probably some Azteca, Mexica, Tolteca, 
um, also having some Native American roots from the United States, mm-hmm. um, me being 100% Native American, right, from Texas, from the land of this area with roots around here and around here, pre-Mexico, pre-Texas, right, um, I can't help but feel, and just from the teachings that we have, an agreement with the planet, right? There is some kind of agreement that we've had that comes natural to and with the planet, not mm-hmm. like, not like, um, like oh, like the season, you know, like mm-hmm. oh, you no, know, I know not to yeah. grow, like blah blah blah, and not to, you know, but no, I kind of feel like we know that as indigenous people, we have, to, we we walk with pure respect with on the planet, mm-hmm. knowing that it's, it's 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 true power. Yeah. And I can't help but feel like if we have a connection with this planet, there's, there has to be us connecting with other planets God, that yeah. have, and then and for us to have this connection with the universe. Yeah. There's a lot of people that believe that um, we are star people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually people who believe that they are star seeds in this time and this day and age where they were given the life that they were given by aliens here and now and today. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like as an indigenous population, Mm-hmm. We are star people, mm-hmm. or what they call uh, uh, what do you call that? La raza cosmica, yeah. right? And I think that a lot of people have been like, oh, you know, uh, there's been this whole like political, like oh, like don't romanticize your people and this mm-hmm. kind of thing. But like, as a member of la raza cosmica, I can't help but feel like, hey, I'm related to the stars somehow. I agree. It's like it's the whole the the idea of planetary ethics. You know, we treat we were you know we were made of this. You know, sort of eons ago from the cosmos, right. and uh, there's there's mystery there still. You know, that's why for me, um, do I believe? You know, this also goes along with do I believe in a god or not? Yeah. Well, there's some people. God is actually for me an alien. You yeah, know, like yeah. and like ish. You know, because it's a mystery. It's a being. It's a a thing that so many energy that so many people are so like oh it, it's it's real it's real for me and I'm like I that's great you know it's like I respect your beliefs you know I respect your beliefs but I can like can you respect mine you know to say that I don't believe you know in your God you know I believe in a sort of uh, if we could say the planetary sort of connectivity of all of us, you know, yeah. type of things. Yeah. And we are not, you know, the whole sort of, the cliche is true. We are not alone. You know, yeah. we are not alone. That's just very simple. And if we believe, if anyone believes that we're alone, that it's just us, it's like, I think it's like a very narrow point of view. Right. And I hope that person at some point um, sort of liberates their their thinking and and welcomes like possibility because if you welcome a god you i think the whole there's it's obvious that maybe you should also welcome the pos you know the and believe in aliens and not an alien and you know that's sort of like for me it's like uh you know i say being you know, more than alien, because I already like hate the alien connotation of right. the government calling illegal aliens. Right. Like, that's in the books. You know, illegal aliens is in the books. books so for yeah. me to say alien, it's like, I'd rather say being. You know, for that's just my preference, because I don't know what else. You know, I'm just still figuring it out. And still in my 40s, um, the conversation is just blossoming, you know? 
that, that that's one of the big reasons why I called the podcast Chicanx versus Aliens. Mm-hmm. I was a total play on words because, yeah. like, yeah, that you know, like uh, I think De La Soul had a lyric that said, um, "A meteorite is more accepted in this planet than my own people." And it's funny because that us as people who have origins of illegal aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't help but feel like, yeah, you know, even so you talked about Republicans believing in other beings <laughs> and that kind of thing. I believe they do. I think they do it on the down low, especially yeah. like in their occult or like their, uh, what are they all frat, their frats and their um, yeah. skull and, you know, skull and bones, that kind of stuff. I think that they do, but they won't say it outright when it comes to running government, right? Um, but uh, the other image that I had when you were saying that was, have you ever seen those Jehovah Witness pamphlets where it's like Jesus or it's Jehovah or some kind of like bearded long-haired uh bookies kind of looking yeah. dude and he's like he has like the planet in his hands yes i've and, seen and, that and those, that imagery of the idea that god or even jesus or jehovah yeah is like in the universe looking at the yeah. planet from space yeah right it's kind of like okay what you know how are we associating this like uh uh you know it, it seems like there is a being in space that's watching us yeah um but then the other connection is that like uh there's been a lot of background um within history about reptiles mm-hmm. reptile looking um uh, uh, um deities mm-hmm. and um and, and adam and eve and the snake right yeah um one of the things that we're very well known for as far as like chicanos and um raza cosmica yeah. uh, is our symbolism around snakes chauchit liquid guatlique um uh, mm-hmm. the women the what do they call those the woman with serpent skirt yeah um the the and chachitlique being earth mothers and mother mm-hmm. universe mothers they're they're like the three sisters of our of, and they're like the chicano symbolism mm-hmm. of our goddess and in our strength and our power especially yeah. especially more of our women yeah those are snakes right yeah. those are reptiles right. um these those images come from thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands of years yeah. ago so and cross we, cultures, yeah. you know, Medusa, you know, yeah, yes. it's like we see these sort of points of reference, you know, where like people, civilizations that uh, we don't know how they became in contact, but they have the similar and it's origin stories. You know, it's like there's mystery there. Obviously, you know, we are our science. Um, we'll, we'll who knows someday figure out all the questions, the answers. I don't know, but the humanity in us leads us to like, those are the questions we, you know, sort of, the questions are sort of, and the journey, you know, like the, uh, I said the quest, Yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. quest. And so when we see glimpses of it, like, like we're like, we're like, like oh, that's me. King yeah, Arthur, yeah, yeah. man, so yeah. going on the quest, like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, but that's, but well, you know, sorry, but you know, it's like, it's like that Jesus with the world, it's, you know, represented by a white male, right, you know, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. it's like that sort of, um, uh, that point of view, you know, it's, uh, and I'm not saying, I don't know what sex, um, or gender, if that even exists. If that even exists being. within beings like I mean, that, yeah. it was gender less for me. I didn't say like, oh, that's a man or male or, or female, you know, it was just like a being. Yeah. Well, the most recent conversation has been that, like, as as evolving species, right? Um, and this moment, what we are now, is that we feel like we have to make other little beings mm-hmm. in order for us to maintain the, our purpose yeah. as humans, right? Mm-hmm. So we have um, uh, genitalia that can exchange these and, and create these in populations of people that we have to. But when we think about beings of other planets... 
Like, is that their purpose? We don't know, right? So a lot of those are like genderless beings. They don't have... Mm-hmm. When they, people see them, and which has been this like unofficial, of course, right? Unofficial sightings of aliens and that kind of thing. They don't have parts. Yeah. But, but they have like brains. And when they talk yeah. to you, they talk to you telepathically, right? That's what happened to so me. So what's their purpose, right? That's what happened to me because there was no communication out loud. It was just sort of... And I was a little kid, so there's that, too. But it was all sort of like that stare-down contest. It was like transmitting something that maybe it was just like, you know, I'm not going to hurt you, for one. Like, I'm cool. Maybe, you know, it's like, I'm here to hang with your brother. You know, I don't know what, you know, that conversation. But it was like nothing out loud. And for reals, for reals, dude, I I saw that being there watching me. It's like... Um, and it sort of set the tone for my life because now I welcome it. I was living in the house um, back when the economy busted. I lost a house. Mm. That house was though had negative energies for me. That's when like FaceTime was becoming a thing, and I remember I was dating somebody, um, a different re- religion that I was getting to know from my you know. Then like I'm really sort of. Uh, a religious, like yeah. sort of like, but I'm spiritual. I don't know. That's now come become a cliche, but you know, I welcome mystery. You know, and that's it. Um, so I would be on Facetime, and the dude I was talking to while I was in this house would say, "Marcel, I don't mean to frighten you, but there's there's someone, something behind you." And I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. You know? yeah. I was like, um, the magic of sort of FaceTime. He's like, there's there's something. And then he came to my place then and sort of like gave me his sort of ideas about it. Of there's there was like a negative energy in that in that place definitely, and and it manifested via FaceTime. Like, uh-huh, yeah. but not like with like he would see it like in his you know screen. You know, like a you know something behind me, like watching me. Yeah, and I. I never saw it, but I felt it. I think that that was a uh, there's uh, uh, a lot of people who experienced that early on, FaceTime and video. Yeah. Now it's so often that a lot of people to be all like, you know, this is what is that? Is this truth or not? Yeah. But um, yeah, like, it's like back then FaceTime when it catch stuff like that, it was just like, oh shit. Yeah. Nowadays it's like, okay, you know, we, there's so much movie magic that you can have at your yeah. own hands that people yeah. don't believe what you're doing but yeah, yeah it's it's early on it was no we were like fresh like this was like i don't know like it was like 2000s uh, like early 2000s yeah like yeah. we you know right when it came out it was like facetiming and and that was like a facetime date you know it's tough out yeah, there yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like <laughs> yeah. hey hey you know it's like i believe in aliens yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like i had a near-death experience that, yeah. you know so. so we're gonna facetime date for a little while <laughs> yeah that's right it's like uh, but yeah with ghosts in the background yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> no it's funny because like in the early 2000s i was a huge like fan of this stuff I was like I was saying telling you earlier I wasn't into it as a young person because my mother was very much nah, because I grew up indigenous practicing indigenous ceremonies my mother had like the bad experiences of having to do curaciones on people mm-hmm. who had bad energies and so a little mix of Catholic a little mix of indigenous ceremonies mm-hmm. my mother was hella superstitious mm-hmm. and so like if I was like watching scary movies she was like te va a salir el diablo right I'm just like it's just a movie yeah. right 
But uh, she believed that like negative imagery would create negative energy, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean it makes sense now. Yeah. But because she held me back from it so much, back in like when I first moved over to San Antonio, I became like oh, free. Okay. I moved to San Antonio around 2002. Mm-hmm. So around 2002, I was well, like, I did too. So I, yeah, so around 2002, I was just like, I'm gonna watch every scary movie every day, and I did. Like now, I've become like this huge horror fan. Like, yeah, and I'm like totally into all this stuff. But like, it was like it was a reaction from my mother's like superstitious mm. behavior. And so, mm. but when I was growing up with my mother, you know, there was a lot of black shadows. There mm-hmm. was a lot of like night terrors. There's a lot of like. Mm-hmm. Um, I I saw, I, I couldn't. I've seen beings in my room too, mm-hmm. but I couldn't say that they were the same as yours. Mm-hmm. Mine's were always kind of like cloudy shadowy red eyes kind of ugly sleep mm-hmm. paralysis kind of stuff mm-hmm. um and which, which so when you're talking about when you have beings in your room yeah. when you saw beings in your room it's totally different for me yeah like mines were kind of like obviously like pre or post dreams which people believe are some kind of being or some kind of entity too but it doesn't sound yeah. any way similar to what you've experienced yeah. Yeah. and so that guy so when you're telling me this i'm just like i yeah like, like it makes it makes total sense that like it's not like part of a dream yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah and the thing about it is i didn't see it someone else was able to see it uh i felt it but and you know it's a sort of side of my eye type of thing too but um it was never confrontational it was never confrontational so um i was i also believe i had a another being comfort me in the airport the the love field in dallas Mm -hmm. Uh, when my father passed away, and I say this because again, I was with my eldest brother, and we had just we were in the airport when we learned my father um, passed away, and he was on the remember the cell, the as the payphones, yeah. and that's how we were communicating. He called and and he was on the phone when when my dad passed away, and I was off by myself. I really didn't know what was happening, but then he looked at me, and then I knew, and then. I know that I sort of crumbled, you know, from just the pain and um, the, you know, the the burden of, for me, the shame also of not being there, you know, with him. And I was on the ground, you know, I was crying. And this man, I know it was like gender, it was like specific for me at that point. This man came, comforted me. My brother was, I didn't even know, but it was this moment that I shared with, I thought, you know, stranger. And then on the flight into the valley, you know, it's like there was a man that was there and he just sort of comforted me, like in a way that was like love. It was, you know, a stranger, right? And he's like, Mari, you were alone. Like there was no one there with you. Like, you know, I was watching you. And I'm like, well, you know, we had two different stories like he watched me so but I to this day I guarantee that there was something energy something there that comforted me um that hugged me and that I was able to get up and you know get on the plane to to get home yeah and it's funny that you say that because um when you talked about your grandma like almost dedicating her life to San Martin de Porras like I had uh, an uncle who was battling addiction and kind of had somewhat of a uh he got 
I think he became sick from possible overdose and then like you know, maybe liver issues might happening and San Martin de Porras appeared to him too and uh, when um, he asked when he, so a nurse came in to kind of a black man mm-hmm. nurse came in to ask him to check his vitals and the, the nurse came in and said um, well look you know he checked him and everything checked his heart checked his, his, all the different things all the numbers said looks like you're going to be okay he said oh great you know you know, nurse I really appreciate you checking on me and this is great news and then the nurse left like about five minutes later in comes a female nurse and the female nurse says okay, okay sir it's time for your checkup and he says oh no it's cool I already had somebody come check and they said oh really and who was it and they said well it was a black man they said there's no black man on staff at all um, because it's yeah. Del Rio uh-huh. and Del Rio I mean Del Rio has like a tiny population of black folks uh-huh. but none of them were nurses at the time and so um, my uncle truly believes that he was guided and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I guess lifted up by San Martin mm-hmm. de Porras and so it's so funny that you say that you had um, that your grandmother had this like this thing for San Martin mm-hmm. because like I think that like it's there is like this connection with especially saints de curanderos yeah. right because these guys weren't saints like mm-hmm. old catholic they're like they became modern day saints mm-hmm. from like curaciones yeah know? yeah like uh don juan jaramillo i was gonna say i was gonna say if you've stopped by outside of falcurias and that's where he is don juan Wait, jaramillo yeah yeah no i haven't yeah he's i um i stopped like I try to stop whenever I can, you know, that's our, like, commute to the valley, and I took my daughter there, and not knowing how she would react, and she, she loved, she, you know, we stayed there for I don't know how long, you know, just time evaporated, it was, um, you could go visit and make your, your promesa, Mm -hmm. and you walk into the little room, the little casita, and then that's where they buried him, so Mm -hmm. it's inside his casita. And there's um, the local, you know, volunteers that sort of keep it up, try to keep it up. And if you're lucky, someone's volunteering there to let you in, you know, and then you go in and candles, photos, hair locks, all sorts of... Like ofrendas. Yes, ofrendas for, you know, for for health or for uh, complete, you know, to complete the promesa. Yeah. And uh, you feel feel the, the... the energy there you feel the you can't help but sort of be moved you know yeah. when, when you walk in there isn't that a funny thing that like us people give hair as an ofrenda mm-hmm. it's kind of like us yeah. offering a piece of dna that's true isn't that weird yeah, yeah. it just and it's so when I, when I hear saint please cure my family or cure my loved one i'm going to give you a piece of my dna yeah it's a weird thing that is it's almost as if like we're offering it life mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like blood Except hair doesn't... I don't know if hair has... I don't think hair has blood in it, but... You know, there's kind of like a, like a DNA. It's yeah, has like a yeah. blood ritual. It's, it's part of us, definitely. And, um, yeah, you see that a lot. Like my... Uh, we moved to San Juan when I was in... Going into sixth grade. So, you know, the, the whole... The, the shrine San Juan over shrine. there. The oh, shrine yeah, I mean, there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Because I didn't grow up heavy catholic um, yeah. i don't know their their origin stories or whatever yeah. but um yeah we used to visit san juan pretty regularly mm-hmm. i used to be so fascinated with how uh people needed that holy water so bad yeah and those and those um what do they call those little like the little legs and the arms and the those little trinkets i forgot the name of the oh the milagritos the milagritos yeah. that's right yeah 
Yeah. So they would buy those milagritos and wear them, praying for their families like body parts. Yeah. Right? Like if their body, they had a, a baby or they had an arm, they had a leg problem, an eyeball problem. Yeah. Yeah, they would buy it. They, they buy yeah, we still do that. Yeah, yeah, we still do that. Yeah, yeah. very, very popular now. No, no, they also hang on people's walls, you know, in probably Chicago, you know, or New York, you know, yeah. sort of like yeah. because that um, sort of looking at our our culture, but not sort of understanding, you know, the the sacrifices that so many people made to sort of, um, you know, to have that out in the world I mean every still milagrito is a sacrifice of little ones and now you know we use it you know some people use it for wall decorations and stuff I wonder if there's I mean now that we're like on the subject of like milagritos and UFOs I wonder mm-hmm. if there's like a UFO milagrito like that would be right <laughs> that would be cool there you go nobody steal that idea no, man. it's copy. copyright Gonzafos, copyright yeah, that's right um, Mari, it's been a pleasure. I think that you and I share a lot of similarities um, as far as this like wondering mystery and um, and the things that I think that you know we grew up in. Like I think don't I don't think that this is very different from a lot of what Chicanos have experienced. Mm. Chicanas, Chicanx, right? Like yeah. uh, a lot of these people, a lot of us brown folks and people of color all have a very similar story, which is why I feel like I, this is. It's kind of important in a weird little way because I'm asking people to tell their like funny stories mm-hmm. or their scary stories, but um, there's a connection spiritually amongst us all, right? And uh, I really appreciate you uh, in taking the time to be a part of this. Uh, it's been it's been an honor just just you know talk about uh, these stories with you know like like like-minded gente like yourself. So so I welcome it and and thanks for doing this. I think it's sort of opening up. A, broader conversation and um i think it's yeah i think we're going to be surprised too you know the amount of connectivity that we have with these mystery stories and um thank you do you have anything you want to promote any shows coming up anything Um, that you're doing i have a show um coming up in august at jumpstart performance company it's called by yasa usa it's a story of a, a single working mother and her young teenage daughter. Uh, the mother's from Mexico City, the daughter's a dreamer, and uh, they're trying to make it here in San Antonio. Uh, the mother believes, you know, she's an artist. You know, clowning is her craft, you know? She went to college for it in That's Mexico awesome. City, and so she's here trying to make a living as an artist, and. Um, they try to discover what's worth sacrificing in today's USA and in today's political climate. And, and so that's where we find them. We find them here in San Antonio at the cusp of what the mom thinks is going to be their breakout performance at the Henry B. Convention nice. Center. So it's a little comedy. Hopefully it's a little, it's very, it's dramatic too. It's and it's a sort of a sort of a slice slice of San Anto. That's cool. And so where is this going to be at? Here, Jumpstart, which is seven ten Fredericksburg in San Antonio, Texas, and that's going to play uh, August uh, mid August right here at this space. And uh, it's a workshop production. It's really um, I adapted it from a short story I wrote. And. Um... Uh, where can people look you up or find you if they want to see more of what's coming up for your work? For I have uh, maricelabarrera.com. Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
marisalavada.com yes. and then uh, do you have like any social media handles or that people that, that, that are public yeah I do Instagram when I remember because my daughter's there and I like to see her posts yeah. and uh, just because they're like uh, god young people it's like all of a sudden she posts a picture it's like oh 800 likes I'm like that's a lot that's you a know lot of likes, because yeah. a lot of people that I know like sort of well, maybe a little younger than me, but way older than her. They're like influencers, quote unquote, in right. San Antonio. And they're like, you know, they get like 200 likes. You know, I was like, at first I thought that was a lot. But I'm like, kids her age, and that's not anything is like, you know, sort of really beyond a norm. You know, uh, that people, you know, her, her age are like into this social media thing. It's like, boom, there's such a network there. Yeah. And I think that that potential, you know, for those young people, she's 14, um, is sort of very spectacular. All of a sudden, even though like um, there might not completely be face to face friends, most of them are. You know, yeah. and it's like they're, you know, out there looking, you know, supporting each other in that way. Yeah. And that's a, a new phenomenon, mm -hmm. really. Yeah, I get 20 likes on Instagram. Like, all right, it's a good day. Good day, yeah. Like, so I'm at La Maricela. La Maricela. Yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Cool. So that's it. Awesome. Yes, man, on so many levels, I'm so grateful for this conversation. One, speaking with Mari Barrera on a teatrista level, jumpstart dynamic, San Antonio chingona, but also with some alien UFO abductee information. Oh my God. I'm so excited about all the way it's going down. It's amazing. I feel like people speaking their truths is like just a wonderful thing. I, I, I really encourage folks to go and, and look up the Jumpstart schedule. Their theater is just really out there, but um, to have dynamic artists such as Maria Barrera with such experience is like just icing on the cake. Yes, yes, yes. So Thank you guys for tuning in. Really, really appreciate y'all listening for this long. This is a long podcast, but the stories that I've gathered have been pretty amazing. I really, really do want to thank everybody who has supported thus far. Um, I've almost sold out on t-shirts and I have sticker packets and shirts more on the way because I'm going to throw a party to have a merch release, a podcast launch. Although that we were already in episode number four, and episode five is quickly on the way. I think to have a launch party is what's up. Now I want to like maybe big up Nahualato's musicians, Los Nahualato's musicians, and also my homeboys from Radio Tierra. Um, that's gonna happen hopefully very very soon. Um, man, y'all, I am so grateful for y'all even tuning in whatsoever. I have quickly gained uh, listeners, and that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Once again, I would like to thank all the indigenous, black, brown, people of color voices, LGBTQ plus A, all the voices. Um, I'm lifting you up. 
And while I lift up, I hope that I'm getting pulled up. Um, pull up while I lift up. All that wonderful jazz. Um, y'all, Chicanx versus Aliens podcast. Hashtag Chicanx versus Aliens, all spelled out. And then like the hashtag podcast. Um, check me out on Instagram under at Joaquin Muerte. You can also look me up on Facebook at Joaquin Muerte. Um, that's where my profile is. I haven't created a Chicanx versus Aliens podcast profile because uh, I'm I'm finna make a business. I'm finna make some business out of uh, Joaquin Muerte. Anyway, man, thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. Peace.